welcome and good morning. I'm glad you could join us this morning. I wanted to go over a few announcements before we get started in the service today. One is there's a couple of videos you may want to check out. There was a great interview that I did a couple of weeks ago with a missionary family that lives in Portugal. Uh, you can find that on Facebook or on YouTube if you want to check that out and see more about what they're doing and how you can pray for and help them. I would encourage you to check that video out. There's also a video I put up uh, last week, Five Tools and Tips to Help You Study the Bible Better. If you want to get into God's Word and you want to dig a little deeper and you want some tools that may be helpful for you so you can understand what you're reading and grow in it, uh, you may want to check that video out. Stay tuned. There's probably going to be another video uh, following up to that one uh, here in the next few days. We are still... Uh, doing online services only uh, due to the coronavirus. I know that some churches have uh, begun to uh, open their doors and, and, and continue on with church services, taking a lot of precautions. Uh, there are some service churches that are not having services yet. Uh, over the last few days, I've talked to our deacons, and we're in agreement that we're going to uh, continue to wait a little longer. So I don't have a date that I can tell you that we're going to be meeting and starting back for church. Uh, but do be in prayer for church, for our people, for everybody, not just here, but, but all over as we all try to figure out what to do. I don't know that there's a right or wrong answer as to when to start back or when not to start back and uh, put a lot of thought and prayer into it, but uh, just not really sure uh, what to do at this point. Uh, so we're going to wait it out just a little further. Uh, we're going to discuss moving forward uh, when we're going to come back and what precautions we're going to take. And as soon as we know something, as soon as there's a date set, I'll make sure to let you guys know on one of these online sermons. Uh, so do be prayerful as we begin the process of looking at uh, how we are going to restart and when we are going to restart. I want to thank you for tuning in. A lot of you have tuned in every week to check out these sermons. Uh, check out One Minute Message. That's something that uh, is up every day. You can find that on YouTube or Facebook. It's just a one minute long little short uh, mini sermon. Uh, so there's 50 of those that are available for you to listen to. Uh, Monday through Friday, Friday they're posted. Uh, so that's something else for you to dig into during this time if you're looking for just some other uh, way to get fed, just a little bite-sized chunk of God's Word. Uh, so those are some things that you uh, that you may want to consider looking into, the video of the missionaries, the tools and tips video, as well as the one-minute messages. And as soon as we get uh, a date uh, set and the precautions in place that we're going to go by once we start back, uh, I'll let you guys know. Uh, but in the meantime, I miss you, and uh, I look forward to the day that we can get back and kind of have some normalcy uh, through all this coronavirus and all that's going on. Uh, but in the meantime, I uh, know I love you, and I'm here for you, and let me know if there's anything I can do for you. Now, we're going to start the service off today as usual with a few minutes of worship, so sit back and uh, just pray the Lord that he would open your heart and open your ears to hear his word today and to praise him in song. And I pray over these next few minutes you can worship him in, in this music service. And after the service, music service is concluded, uh, I'll see you back here in just a minute.
to be in Psalm 41 this morning. If you've been following along in the last few Psalms that we've read, then uh, this one kind of seems as though it falls into place uh, right with the last few. 37, 38, 39, 40, 41, all in that area. Uh, those last few seem like they kind of all go together. Now, we discussed over the last few weeks, we don't know exactly what David was going through uh, when he wrote those psalms, those psalms where his enemies were coming on him and uh, his body was failing him and he felt like death was upon him. Uh, one suggestion, and I think a reasonable suggestion, is that those verses may have been written by David as he was fleeing Absalom, as his son Absalom was trying to overthrow him. Uh, Absalom had gathered a lot of the people of Israel to follow him, and David was on the run. And it's possible that those chapters that we've looked at before this uh, are covering that event. Now, David has been going through a lot of hard times, and most of what we've seen uh, in, in the last few chapters is David really calling out to the Lord, saying, Look, God, my sin is heavy upon me. I feel the guilt of my sin. God, I feel the shame of my sin. But don't abandon me, dear Lord. I'm continuing to trust in you. And we see glimmers of hope and light there in David's life as he uh, gets some peace from the Lord and rejoices in the Lord. But it seems like he kind of goes back in, in all of these psalms uh, to saying, look, but my, but my situation is bad. God, don't abandon me. God, my enemies are coming against me, but don't let them overtake me. And so a lot of the things we've looked at over the last few weeks are very similar. And some of those same ideas and themes are going to be in the passage today. Now, this is a short psalm. It's not very long, and we're going to read through all the verses of it, but I probably won't break it down verse by verse like we sometimes do, because a lot of the content kind of uh, is the same as what we've seen before. The language is different, of course. It's not word for word, but the, the heart and the idea behind what's going on is very similar. That is, David is calling out to the Lord. David's enemies are still against him. David's still in hard times, but he's still praising the Lord, and that's kind of the the just of almost this whole psalm here, the, the bulk of it. Uh, but there's something at the beginning of this psalm that's different uh, from the ones that we've looked at over the last few weeks. So we're probably going to spend the bulk of our time there this morning. So we're going to be in Psalm 41. We'll pray, and then we'll read the text. Father God, we come to you, and I thank you for these good words. And I pray that you hide me behind the cross as I preach and teach. I pray that these words would speak to us, dear Lord. Help us to understand them. Help us to put them into action. And God, I pray that you just bless the reading of your word. All for your glory. In Jesus' name I ask it. Amen. All right, Psalm 41, verse 1. For the choir director, a Davidic psalm. Happy is the one who cares for the poor. The Lord will save him in a day of adversity. The Lord will keep him and preserve him. He will be blessed in the land. You will not give him over to the desire of his enemies. The Lord will sustain him on his sickbed. You will heal him on the bed where he lies. I said to the Lord, Be gracious to me. Heal me, for I have sinned against you. My enemies speak maliciously about me. When will he die and be forgotten? When one of them comes to visit, he speaks deceitfully. He stores up evil in his heart. He goes out and talks. All who hate me whisper together about me. They plan to harm me. Lethal poison has been poured into him, and he won't rise again from where he lies. Even my friend in whom I trusted, one who ate my bread, has raised his heel against me. But you, Lord, be gracious to me and raise me up. Then I will repay them. But this I know, that you delight in me. My enemy does not shout, 
and triumph over me. You supported me because of my integrity and set me in your presence forever. May Yahweh, the God of Israel, be praised from everlasting to everlasting. Amen and amen. Now, if you followed along over the last few weeks, you uh, will notice that the language that we see here at the end of this psalm is very similar to what we've seen up to this point. Now, he does say a few specifics here that maybe haven't been mentioned before. Here we have this, this spelled out to us that even David's friends are coming against him. Now, we can say they're friends, but really they're not friends. They are acting like friends. They're supposed to be friends, but uh, now in David's difficulty and his hard times, these who are coming to him one day acting as his friend, instead, uh, when they leave, uh, they're not his friend. Instead, they're his enemy. They're talking about him. They're gossiping about him. They're waiting on the day to come that he is going to die. And he says here uh, that even one of his friends whom he ate bread with, someone whom he trusted, uh, even turned on him. Now, that may be uh, a, a verse that's, that makes us think of Judas and Jesus. Here was Judas, who was to be a friend of Jesus, who should have been a friend of Jesus, who ate with Jesus and, and worked with Jesus and, and was with Jesus in his ministry, yet at the end of Jesus' life, it was the one who was to be his friend who turned on him, and Judas turned on Jesus. Now, that's similar to what we see here uh, with David in this passage. Somebody who was close to him, who was his friend, had turned on him. Uh, so David is still suffering, and his, and his friends and his enemies are turning against him and they're waiting for the day he's going to die. They even say that. Uh, when is he going to die? His body's uh, full of poison. It's not going to be long now. Once he's dead and gone, he's going to be forgotten. So uh, these people who are coming against David are looking forward to the day that he is going to die. But what we see is David continues to trust in the Lord. He says, look God, you're going to uphold me. You're not going to let my enemies triumph over me. Now, uh, David wasn't necessarily triumphing over his enemies in this instance. David was still suffering and going through a lot in his life. But his enemies were not triumphing over him. Now there may be times in our life that there are things that we are trying to triumph over in this world that we may not always be able to triumph over. But one thing is sure, our enemies will never triumph over us because we will always be victorious in the Lord. Now we've talked about that over the last few weeks, that the Lord does deliver those who are His. Sometimes He delivers us in this world, and sometimes He delivers us by taking us out of this world. But in every case, those who trust in the Lord are always triumphant. If we put our faith in the Lord and continue to trust in Him, we will be triumphant over whatever enemies come against us and whatever situations will come against us. And as David says at the end of this psalm here, he says, Look, uh, may God be praised uh, from everlasting to everlasting. And he will. By those who are his, by those of us who put our trust in the Lord, we will praise him for everlasting to everlasting. That is forever. Uh, we will be with him forever and we will be triumphant because he is a triumphant God who has given victory to us through Jesus Christ. And when we put our faith in Jesus Christ, we too are triumphant over sin and death and the enemies that come against us. David recognizes that, and we've seen that over the last few chapters. And that's uh, really a brief overview, I know, of what this psalm is, but uh, for, for, 
for sake of time and not being re repetitive, uh, I didn't want to go over things that we've already discussed in greater detail over the last few weeks. You can find those past sermons online by going to enterprisebaptist.church/psalms if you want to listen to some of those past uh, sermons on those psalms for the previous weeks. But I did want to kind of set up camp this morning at the very first part of this psalm. When I first read this first verse, boy, I said, well, that's, that's, that's really powerful. I think that's a super important thing for us as Christians to realize how powerful what's being talked about in these first few verses is. So let's look at verse 1. It says, Happy is the one who cares for the poor. The Lord will save him in a day of adversity. The Lord will keep him and preserve him. He will be blessed in the land. You will not give him over to the desire of his enemies. The Lord will sustain him on his sickbed. You will heal him on the bed where he lies. Now isn't this an interesting thing just to kind of be plucked in here? In the midst of all that we've been talking about with David's sufferings, with his enemies that are coming against him, and here David starts out this psalm by saying, Happy is the one who cares for the poor. The Lord will save him in a day of adversity. Now this is not uncommon, this, this idea of taking care of the poor. This is a very important thing for us to realize as Christians. This is something that is very important to God. God calls us to look after the poor and the needy. That's one thing that God calls us to do, and hopefully that's not slipping through the crack in our life. But even David acknowledges the importance of it here because he says, look, happy is the one who takes care of the poor. And if the one takes care of the poor, then the Lord will be with that person. The Lord will deliver that person. The Lord will help that person. There are blessings there that the Bible says repeatedly that God is with those who are gracious and merciful and help look after and take care of the poor. Now I hope that we're doing that in our life because that's something that God calls us to do and we must be careful because too many times instead of helping the poor, we want to become judgmental of the poor. Now there are a lot of people in this world who are poor because they cannot help it. They are poor because of life situations. They are poor and it's out of their control. They have done all that they could have done. And through crazy circumstances, they are in situations where they are poor, where they are struggling. There are many people in the world like that. There are also many people in the world who are poor because they uh, continue to live a sinful lifestyle and they continue to waste their money and they continue to give in to drugs and alcohol and whatever kind of things that people give in to. There are lots of people who are poor for that reason. There are lots of poor people in the world and there's uh, there are different types of poor people, I guess if we could say that. Uh, some who are poor and it's beyond their control and others who are poor it's because of the decisions they made and their reluctance to repent and turn uh, from their lifestyle or those decisions that they made. Now the Bible is pretty clear that we are to help the poor. So which of those are we supposed to help? Are we supposed to help those who are legitimately poor uh, and those who, who, who if you try to help them they're not going to help themselves, they're just going to blow it? Well that's going to be something that you are going to have to decide for yourself. Ultimately the Lord will deal with those who receive whatever assistance that you give them. Should you help someone who is poor and they legitimately need it, praise the Lord. 
Should you help someone who is poor and they don't legitimately need it and they're going to waste it and do things they shouldn't with it? Well, if you help them, praise the Lord. If they do what is right, then God will bless them. If they do what is wrong, then they will have to answer to the Lord. Now, perhaps there are times that you don't feel uh, that you should help someone. Well, if you don't feel convicted, if you don't feel the Lord leading you in that way, well, that's between you and the Lord. You must live by your own convictions. I don't know if there's one answer I can give to, yes, help every poor person all the time, or pick and choose this one or that one, or here's the qualifications. I can't give you the answer to that. That has to be something that comes from the Lord. That has to be a guidance that comes from the Holy Spirit. But taking care of the poor is something that's very important to the Lord, and something that for those who fail to do so, the Lord takes very serious. Now, if you've ever read in Genesis before, you may recall a story of a couple of cities by the name of Sodom and Gomorrah. And they are most well known because of the events of the men in the city and the homosexual acts that were, uh, that were, they were attempting to do there. And God saw the evil that was in that place. And it was only Lot and, and, and his family that were delivered because the cities were evil. Now, that is probably what we most remember Sodom and Gomorrah for. But that was not Sodom's only problem because we see Sodom mentioned again to us in Ezekiel chapter 16. There was other sin that was going on in Sodom, and God calls that sin to the attention of the Israelites in Ezekiel 16. If you want to turn there, Ezekiel 16, verses 49 and 50. Now, in the context of what's going on here, the Israelites are, are, have turned their back on the Lord. They have cheated on the Lord, so to speak. That is, they've turned from him and turned to these false gods, and uh, God is angry with his people, Israel. And he compares what they're doing uh, to what, what some other places did, and Sodom uh, being one of those places. And one of the things he calls out Sodom for uh, is their lack of helping the poor when they had the ability to. Now, the homosexual sin that was going on in Sodom was a serious thing. I'm not belittling that. Uh, but that was not the only sin that was the problem. See, we have a tendency in all areas of life, not just that story, to pick and choose sins that we think are worse, and boy, we really want to harp on those sins. And we may hear people sometimes harping on how bad that homosexuality is and Sodom and Gomorrah was, and those things are all true. But there are lots of other sins in the world, too. Not just that one, or not just a couple of more besides that. There are lots of other sins in the world. And the other things that were going on in Sodom were also very displeasing to the Lord. And we see that spelled out for us here in Ezekiel 16, verses 49 and 50. Now this was the iniquity of your sister Sodom. She and her daughters had pride, plenty of food, and comfortable security, but didn't support the poor and needy. They were haughty and did detestable things before me, so I removed them when I saw this. Now, God is angry with the people of Sodom. Why is he angry with the people of Sodom? Well, because they had plenty. They were living comfortably. They had plenty of, of, of whatever they needed, whatever their needs were. But they did not help the poor and needy. Now, God takes helping the poor and needy seriously. And that's what we should be doing in our life, in our personal life, as our churches. We need to be making an effort to help those who are poor and who are needy that we encounter. Now, I suppose we, when you look at the whole world, you say, boy, there's so many poor and needy people in this world, we can't help them all. 
And you're exactly right. We cannot help every person in the world, but we can help the needs we encounter. We don't encounter every need of every person in the world, but there are times that we do encounter needs of people. The person we see on the street that may be asking for food, uh, the person who we know in our community that's struggling to pay their medical bills, whose roof is falling in and their, and their house is, is, is being destroyed and they need a roof over their head to take care of their, of their elderly parents or take care of their children and they don't have the money to do it even though they're working hard and, and, it's, and, and they're getting by and they're putting food on the table but there are needs that they have. There are lots of things just like that that may be all around us and those are the types of things as churches that when we see those needs, when we encounter those needs, we need to try to help those people who are needy. Now even when we help people who are needy, we may not always be able to fulfill all their needs. We may not have the, the monies. We may not have the manpower or the skills to fix a roof, let's say. Perhaps we can help in some other way. Whatever it may be, there are ways that we can help and we don't have to solve all of the problem ourselves. Sometimes maybe we're guilty of looking at something and saying, well boy, you know, that's a bad problem, but there's no way we can, we can take care of all that. Well, maybe you can't take care of all of that. But take care of some of it. Do what you can. Uh, whether it's the person on the street that you buy a hamburger for, or, or, or the elderly person whom you take a meal to, or whatever it may be, there are people in this world who have needs. And we don't have to look terribly far to find them. And we can't find all the needs in the world because, well, that's just not realistic. But there are things that God puts in our path. And what better need to meet than the one that God puts in our path? Sometimes we, as a church, we help people in different countries. Sometimes we help people locally, different states, whatever it may be. There are lots of different ways that we help people and lots of different things. And sometimes uh, when, when we help people in another country, people will say, but, but aren't there people locally that need help? Why don't you meet that need? And my response is always the same. We meet the needs that the Lord puts in front of us. We don't stray away from local needs. We don't say, well, we only need to help people overseas. We only need to help people local. Uh, we don't focus on that in any way, shape, or form. We take needs that are brought before us that the Lord puts in our path. And if we feel that that's something the Lord is calling us to work with, then that's what we work with. Whether it's somebody that lives next door or whether it's somebody that lives on the other side of the world, whatever needs that God places on our path, those are the ones that we need to try to meet. And that's not just true in a church. That's true in our own personal life. There are needs that God is going to put in your path that I'll never know anything about. People that you encounter that you can help that I can never help because I don't know their need. And there are people who I will meet that I can help. And you can't help them because you don't encounter them. You don't know their need. But the needs that God puts in our path, those are the ones that we need to be willing to do what God has called us to do. And that's what God's problem was with Sodom. They had plenty, but they weren't using what they had to help other people. Now we need to answer that question today. Are we using what we have to try to help other people? Because if we're not, just as God was angry with the people of Sodom, well, I can assure you he's going to be angry with us as well. Let's look at some more passages of, of the poor. Proverbs chapter 19, verse 17 says, Kindness to the poor is a loan to the Lord, and he will give a reward to the lender. 
Now, that's a beautiful thing right there. Again, very short, very simple. But kindness to the poor is the loan to the Lord. When we, when we are taking care of people who are in need, people who are poor, we are doing something for the Lord. Whatever we do for the least of these, we're doing it for God. And we need to remember that. We need to remember passages like this. We need to, to remember and say, okay, when I help this person, I'm helping God. If I pass this person up, am I passing God up today? Is this somebody that God wants me to help? Is this an opportunity that God has given me? Now, be prayerful about it. And maybe you feel convicted and you say, yeah, i got to help that person. Or maybe there are people that you, that you encounter and maybe there's an uneasy feeling there and you're not sure if you're supposed to help them and you don't feel convicted. Well, if you feel no conviction and you feel that you don't, don't need to help, then let the Lord be your guide there. Let the Holy Spirit guide you there. There are times, though, that you may pass people up and boy, you may be convicted of it. I've experienced that before. I've seen people on the road or seen people with a need and think, oh, I, I can't stop. I'm in too big of a hurry. The traffic might back up behind me if I stop and give this person a few dollars or whatever it may be. And boy, there are times that I've passed up opportunities and boy, I got convicted. I got so convicted thinking, man, I should have helped that guy. I should have helped that woman. I could have at least stopped and, and, and give them a few dollars. I could have taken them something to eat. I could have just told them God loved them. It's nothing else. And there's been more than one time that I felt so convicted that I had to turn around and go back and help somebody. Now, I'm not boasting. It's a struggle, I understand. It's a struggle because sometimes we see people and we question what their motives may be and we, and we say, boy, I don't wanna, I, I'm not going to help them because I don't know what they're going to do or they're just cheating people. They've got more money than all of us. And yes, there are people out there that cheat. There are people that aren't homeless, that aren't needy, and they stand on corners and they get money. There are some people like that. So we need to be prayerful. We don't need to avoid all people because some people are taking advantage of others. We need to pray and say, okay, God, is this one that you want me to help? And maybe those times come in your life. Maybe they've already come where you pass somebody up and you say, golly, i got to go back and i got to help them. And if you feel that conviction, then turn around and go back. Be late if you're late for what you're going for. Stop for a minute and stop traffic behind you. Let them honk the horn. But I'd rather be late and have a, a line full of cars honking their horn behind me and be at peace knowing that I did the right thing for the Lord then go the rest of my day and the rest of my week feeling the burden of saying, golly, I should have helped that person, and I didn't help them. So when you see people and you encounter people and you feel like you need to help them, then help them. If you pass them up, then go back and help them. If God has put that opportunity and put it on your heart to do so, then that's what we need to do. Let's look at another proverb, Proverb 21, 13. The one who shuts his ears to the cry of the poor will himself also call out, and not be answered. Now that's a pretty serious verse. Again, pretty straightforward. Those who help the poor, God is going to bless. God is going to take care of. That's what we see in Psalm 41. But those who don't help the poor, when the poor are calling out and don't have a need, well guess what? There may be a day that you call out and, and, and have a need. And what's going to happen? Well it says they'll cry out and they will not be answered. I believe that God will bless us if we help others when we have the opportunity and the ability and we do it with the right heart and we love people and we help those who are in need. I believe God blesses us in that way. Maybe not immediately, but maybe there will be the day that we have a need. Maybe there will be the day that we're on the street corner. Maybe there will be the day that we've gone a couple of days without eating. 
Maybe there will be the day that our family, that our children have a need for clothes, have a need for shoes, have a need for food, and we can't meet that need and we are struggling. And we have to call out to somebody and say, look, would you please help me? I, I, I need food for my family. I need provision. I need shelter. Well, I want to trust in the Lord and I want to help other people. So if that day should come that I'm in a need, that maybe God will hear, hear my calls, that maybe people will hear me and that God will bless me and that God will take care of me in those times. Now, I don't give to the poor because I'm just paying it forward, saying, okay, I better, I better go ahead and, and pay a little bit forward just in case. No, when we give to the poor, we should do it because we love the poor. We should do it because we love the Lord. We should do it because that's what God calls us to do. We shouldn't have any thought in our mind about uh, what may happen or what we may get in return. Will God bless us in return? Well, possibly so. Will God uh, 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 look upon us when we're in a time of need, if we have been faithful to take care of others when they were in a time of need? Well, I believe God will. But that's not our motivation for helping and for giving to those in need. Our motivation should be because we love the Lord and want to serve Him. And when we serve those who are in need, we are serving the Lord. Let's read a little further. In Isaiah uh, chapter 58, verses 9 and 10, Isaiah 58, 9 and 10 says, At that time when you call, the Lord will answer. When you cry out, he will say, Here I am. If you get rid of the yoke among you, the finger pointing and malicious speaking, and if you offer yourself to the hungry and satisfy the afflicted one, then your light will shine in the darkness, and your night will be like noonday. So God is telling the people here, look, when you call out to me, when you call out to me, God's going to say, here I am. And then God tells them what they need to do. He says, if you get rid of the yoke among you, now that yoke is that heavy sin that's weighing them down, that sinful stuff that they're living in. And it even tells us what it is. It's finger pointing and malicious speaking. If you get rid of that and... If you offer yourself to the hungry and satisfy the afflicted one, that is, those who are in need, if you help them, if you stop all this finger pointing, if you stop all this maliciousness that's in your life, if you help those who are in need, if you fix these things in your life and do what the Lord is calling you to do, then I'm going to hear you. Then your light will shine in the darkness, and your light will be like noonday. Now, we're not so different from the group that was receiving this message from Isaiah. It's a message that we need to hear too. Well, are we calling out to the Lord in our life? Well, hopefully you are, and maybe there's sin that shouldn't be there. Well, if there is, whatever it may be, finger pointing, maliciousness, anger, uh, lying, cheating, stealing, uh, adultery, whatever it may be, the, the list goes on and on and on of sins. If there's sin in our life, God is saying, get rid of the sin, and he says, Help those who are needy. Help the hungry, help the afflicted, help those who are needy. And when you do that, boy, a light's going to shine in you. It's going to shine out of the darkness. It's going to be so bright. It's going to be like the sun at noonday. It's going to brighten everything up. Now, I don't know about you, but I want my life to be bright. I want brightness and peace and joy and cheerfulness in my life. I want to experience the, the, the presence of the Lord. I want others to see the Lord in my life, not to boast in me, but to boast in the Lord, to see why wow, the Lord is really doing a good work. It's the Lord who's causing good things to happen. It's the Lord who's causing blessing. It's the Lord who is good. Well, when we shine like that, the world sees the Lord, and the Lord shines, and the Lord is praised because the Lord is worthy of praise. Let's read another verse here. 
In 1 John chapter 3, verses 17 and 18, it says, If anyone has this world's goods and sees his brother in need, but closes his eyes to his need, how can God's love reside in him? Little children, we must not love with word or speech, but with truth and action. Now that pretty much is as plain as it can get. How can we say we love God if we see somebody in need and we don't help them? Well, I don't know that we can. Now we can say, oh, I love poor people. Oh, yeah, I want to help poor people. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah, poor people, are. Uh, yeah, they really need our support. They really need our help. You can say all those things, but if you're not doing anything, then you hadn't done anything. Uh, this verse says, John says, look, we must not love with word or speech, but with truth and action. Don't just say that poor people need help. Don't just say that, yeah, we need to help them, but actually help them. We don't want to be guilty of acknowledging that there are poor people who are helped without ever taking any action to help people who need help. Now, that's not just true with helping the poor or the needy. That's true in everything. We, we, we show love by our actions, not by our words. We can say we love people. We can say a lot of good things. And sometimes we probably do say a lot of good things, but in turn we do a lot of bad things. But that's not what God calls us to. What God calls us to is to not just say we love people, but to show people that we love people. And when we do that, when we begin to love like God loves and love other people like we love the Lord, then we'll begin to help them. We'll begin to meet their needs. And when we do, we'll be just like David in Psalm 41. How happy is the one who takes care of the poor. Now, I hope that that's you and I. I hope we're doing a good job of taking care of the poor that we encounter in our life. Now, are there times maybe that you feel that you shouldn't help someone? Well, maybe so. Maybe so. That's between you and the Lord. Now, Paul does address this in the New Testament. I can't recall the verse off the top of my head, but Paul addresses this. He says, look, there are some people among you, and they're not working. They're only making it hard among other people. And Paul said of those people, if you don't work, you don't eat. So there's scriptural evidence that there may be sometimes that people should not be supported. That maybe they need to learn what's going on. They need to learn the error of their ways. Maybe they do have a little responsibility to make better choices and to do for themselves instead of depending on other people. That's what Paul says. Those who don't work, don't eat. So you have to make the decision. Are there poor people in situations and of uh, people that you encounter that maybe you say, boy, I don't think I need to help that person. I don't, I don't think they're real. I don't think they're legit. Well, maybe so. Maybe you feel at peace with that decision and you feel like you uh, are, are, are okay with passing that up and it's okay. Or maybe you feel convicted. Maybe you don't know what to do. Maybe you say, boy, I don't know if I should help this person or not. Well, there's never any wrong and doing the right thing. It's always right to do the right thing. It's always right to help somebody if that's what you feel like you need to do and that conviction's strong, then you do it. And if the love is in your heart to do the right thing, then you do the right thing. And if the person you're helping does the wrong thing, then no sweat. Hey, you've done the right thing and that's all you can do. We can't control what other people do, but we can control what we do. So when you encounter people, when you see a need, seek the Lord and say, God, is this what you want me to do? 
Now, we know God wants us to help poor people. That is obvious. There are lots of scriptures. You, you can do research and study. I've only read you a handful, but there are lots of scriptures that show how important it is for God's people to take care of and look after the poor and needy, and that's what we need to be doing. And if you're not doing that at all, then you need to pray, look, God, I want to do that. Are there opportunities I'm missing? And God, if there's opportunities there, then help me to see those opportunities. And then when we have them, we have to be faithful to carry them out. Now, sometimes it may be scary. Sometimes when we want to minister to poor people, uh, we have to go to rough places. Oftentimes, poor people are, are, in, some, are in some hard situations and some hard places and, and, and some scary places for some of us. Sometimes if we want to help the poor and the needy, we have to go to places maybe that are a little out of our comfort zone. But that's okay because God's going to be with us. If we're doing it for him, if we're serving him, then God's going to be with us. So if God's placed opportunities in your life, then ask him to help you see him. And once you see him, ask him to help you do them because it's not always easy. It's not because we say, boy, this world's dangerous. What if I go to help that person and they knock me in the head? Well, they might. I'm not going to tell you they won't. You might go in there with all the faith in the world and the strongest heart in the world, and you might do the right thing, and maybe they will knock you in the head. Or maybe they won't. Maybe you'll go up to them and you'll remind them or you'll tell them maybe they don't even know that God loves them. And maybe the fact that you stop to give them a meal and tell them a kind word, that may make all the difference. Because you know what most people do to poor people who are on the side of the road and on the side of the street? You know what they do to them? nothing they pass them by they don't even acknowledge them they don't give them the time of day but you could be the difference maker you could be the one that stops and says look let me give you a few bucks let me give you a meal let me tell you God loves you let me pray for you and I bet you there's not many people that do that one in a hundred maybe I don't know. Not many. But wouldn't you rather be the one in the 99? Wouldn't you rather be the one that stops in the 99 who passes those in need by? Because I'll tell you what Jesus did for the one. The scripture said that the one sheep that got away, that Jesus went back and got the sheep. Even for one. Now we have a chance to be the one. The one that Jesus came back for and got us because we were living in our sin and our shame and our guilt. Jesus didn't abandon us. Even if it was just one of us, Jesus was going to die for us. And of all that Jesus did and gave for us, why can't we give and do for others? There may be 99 that pass the homeless person by, that pass the poor person by. But don't be one of the 99. Be the one. Be the one that stops and loves, takes care of, shows compassion to, has mercy on. Happy is the one who helps the poor. That's what God's called us to. And I hope we're found faithful doing that today. Let's pray. God, we come to you and I thank you for these words. And this is such a strong message, dear Lord. And it's tough because there are times that maybe we pass things by and people by and help us not to do that. Help us to be faithful to be there for others and to watch over others and to take care of others, dear Lord, when we can. Maybe there are times in our life that it's hard for us and maybe we can't help in the way we want to. 
But God, help us not just to pass everybody by because we're judgmental, dear Lord. Help us to discern. God, are we to help everybody? Are there some times that maybe there are some that, that you don't want us to help? God, just help us to know the difference between what we should do and not do. And God, never let us pass somebody up if that's what you're calling us to. And just give us discernment and conviction to know. And God, I pray that you would help us to be found faithful to do your work and to love people. Give us courage and strength. It's not always easy helping poor people or homeless people that we encounter, dear Lord. Sometimes it's hard. We feel like we don't know what to say. We, we're scared in our world today of knowing who or we can trust. But dear Lord, we got to have a little faith and we got to trust you. And uh, dear Lord, if we trust you and we're doing the right thing, whatever happens, well, dear Lord, it's a good thing because we're, we're serving you. And God, it's better to do good and, uh, and suffer for it than God not to do anything at all. So, dear Lord, I pray that you would help us do the good things, the right things, the things that are pleasing to you. And I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining us for today's service. To learn more about Jesus, call or text Pastor Shan at 601-657-0180 or email him at shanvn at me.com. You can also visit us at www.enterprisebaptist.church or follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash ebcliberty. We hope that you have been blessed by today's service.